We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Troche, Senior Editor at uh, SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our National College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. And, Bill, I got I got a home game here. The last two uh, podcasts, I was on the road and, and hotels, uh, chasing my, my tennis-playing son around uh, the state of North Carolina, but got a home game this week. Good, and it's good to be home. Well, you got a home game, and... The final four teams don't. I mean, that was a wild weekend that we watched, obviously, with uh, two Florida teams in the final four. And yet, is it true that we haven't had a Florida team in the college football playoff yet? Wow. There you go. Pulling it right out of the go. Yeah, that is crazy. Yep. And uh, the, the, the basketball stat I researched was that uh, no Florida school other than Florida had been in the final four for the last 50 years. And this year we have two. So uh, interesting to see that. But um, yeah, welcome in. Today we uh, thank everybody uh, for uh, subscribing to the, the CFB Nation All-America podcast on Spotify. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for subscribing to the CFB Nation YouTube channel. Uh, people can find us, Bill. We're 21 weeks away from week zero. I've resumed my countdown um, and I do want to wish you on behalf of all New Englanders a happy 328. <laughs> I don't I know. I don't, for those who celebrate, you might not celebrate, but you know, for those of us that do, uh, it's an important day. I don't think they celebrate that in Atlanta, uh, for example. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, happy 328. We're getting into April. It's crazy how quickly, you know, I was thinking about this the other day that the season ends and then we have that little blip now we're in spring football i was down at ohio university over the weekend my son was in the regional spelling bee he got 17th uh maybe the churchy trivia will i'll tell you to spell the word that knocked him out um <laughs> but uh you know they were I, we walked by peden stadium and they were practicing and it dawned on me i was like oh yeah spring football that's awesome so we walked in took a couple pictures it was cool so uh we'll see what the bobbies have next year i think they're going to be pretty good we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So today's exercise to start us off, uh, speaking of the Final Four and basketball and everything, is that, you know, everybody knows this is a, a long shot Final Four. Basically, nobody had the Final Four. Nobody in the Sporting News Contest had this fi- had any of the Final Four. Uh, congratulations for finishing, I think, 24th, Bill? Yeah, um, that was mine. Actually, the one, the, the write-in bracket did that I was telling you about. So our, our sixth grader from the lacrosse team did have one in the Final Four. Okay. And, uh, if okay. UConn wins, he wins the bracket. That's been straightened out with all the authorities and the winning parties. But uh, crazy. So, But like you said, it, it took a 12-year-old to get UConn in the uh, Final Four, and the rest of us didn't. Um, so yeah, the exercise yeah. we, we want to look at is what what is the what is the college football equivalent of UConn, San Diego State, Miami, and Florida Atlantic? Um, if we if we arrived at the the Final Four of the expanded college football playoff, which is just around the corner, uh, with these four type of teams, like what the heck would it look like? And so um, you, we had two different ways of looking at it. I, I'll give you my my equivalent. Just I went by the the numbers of the um, the final regular season AP poll or actually the college football playoff poll um, the, before the postseason commenced. Um, Cause if you look at the overall seeding from one to 68, that the college basketball committee did UConn was the 13th overall seed. San Diego state was 17th. Miami was 20th and Florida Atlantic was 33rd prior to the tournament. Um, the, the numerical equivalence to the final college football playoff rankings before the bowl season, uh, Florida State was 13th, LSU was 17th, Texas was 20th, and then if you go to the AP poll, since the CFP doesn't go beyond 25, uh, Illinois was 33rd. Um, so you're looking at uh, teams that went nine and three, nine and four, eight and four, and eight and four, which isn't very attractive, especially since. We saw people get upset that TCU was in there at 12 and one. It's funny. And you have the note in here that LSU lost by 20 in the SEC championship. So how do you think people would react to a team that was clearly out then when that 50 to 30 type game, and then they turn around and go to the final four. I don't know that that would sit well with people. It, it is an interesting match game. Uh, Florida state in particular, LSU. I mean, those are, teams that are up and coming and ascending, I would say, but I, you know, last year they weren't playoff teams, Texas, of course, Texas would get in under this format. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Illinois who had a good, but not great season in the big 10, I would say it was a little bit of a breakthrough, but by their standards, certainly very good. Right. And then uh, you had a different way of trying to come up with four teams. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like did, I looked at some things and kind of did like, this is who this program reminds me of. So I want to see, I'll go one by one here real quick. So 
popped out this year. I had them as like a UTSA getting in. UTSA, pretty good school. Um, but they've been doing it a little bit longer at UTSA. They've had a couple double-digit win seasons. And, you know, maybe it's just the alphabet soup in their name. But, you know, Tulane would be another example. Like coming out of several just average years and then all of a sudden they win the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. UConn. Uh, the great irony here is like UConn as a program all time is kind of like Miami where they, they have a chance to win a fifth national championship since 1999. It reminds me of Miami winning five national titles. Now, very different in terms of you don't think UConn is this, you know, bombastic program or anything like the, the U was in the 80s and 90s, but the success is there. They're kind of like Florida State. So I don't know if that matches up. Now, you know, 10 and three, good team, had a blip, playing really good ball at the end of the year. Uh, San Diego State's like Boise State, playoff era Boise State, playoff not, era. not BCS era Boise State, where you okay. were like, we they had a lot of because I think they went under the radar when we filled out our brackets. You didn't really think, oh yeah, San Diego State's going to beat that. People had them getting beat by Charleston. Yeah, people that, like you who said, watch the thirty win teams. That's uh, everybody following your advice. Pick Charleston. Right. And well, and then if you did do that, you did take the 31 team FAU. So right. San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, we tweeted that stat out yesterday, like they've won 80% of their games. So it's not like they're bad teams. And then Miami, and I figured you would appreciate this one. The Horn Frogs of TCU have won 65% of their games the last three seasons. Same as Miami in basketball. So it's kind of like a team that's had success and been good. So I think Miami's kind of like TCU. And honestly, Bill, I, I know you probably don't believe me here. I think Miami's got a very good chance of beating UConn on Saturday. I think mm. they have the best starting five in the tournament. They just mm. can't run into foul trouble and they make shots. So, and they have, and like Miami, like TCU, you have an old coach that everybody loves. Sonny Dykes, Jim Laranega, want to see him in a championship game. So I think that those are, those aren't as numerically perfect as yours, but those were kind of like I was racking my brain to do that and kind of like figuring out who was who. Right. And so do you think fans are more accepting of underdogs in basketball than football? And if so, why? I think fans are disingenuous about underdogs in basketball. And I say that in terms of you hear people, I want chaos. I, I, I hear you know, I was at lacrosse practice the other night. I heard like three dads saying that two weeks ago. And now I'm asking them, well, are you going to watch this weekend? Are you going to turn your TV on and watch? Because you rooted for this. But then we were talking before we came on about what are the TV ratings going to look like? I guess to me, I kind of have, I've enjoyed this basketball tournament a great deal because I don't know the conclusion. As much as I enjoyed TCU's run, I knew they didn't, they didn't really stand a chance against Georgia. So I like the fact that although UConn's a heavyweight favorite, you could go to a betting window and take any one of these four teams, and I'm not going to be like, no, you're wrong, <laughs> because they all have a different style that I enjoy. So I actually have enjoyed this. Yes, the ratings are going to take the hit. You know, the one thing that the men's tournament lacks that the women's tournament has is a, a transcendent superstar. I mean, Caitlin Clark is a superstar and people are going to tune in to see her play South Carolina. Are people going to tune in to play, watch FAU and San Diego State play at the same level outside of a betting angle? I'm not sure. Well, yeah. So two things. Yeah. One is everyone's brackets is, are already wiped out. So that 
that creates interest right off the bat in the first and second round. Everybody wants to see how their brackets are. Everyone has a vested interest in the games, even if it's just $10 pool. That that interest is gone. I mean, uh, you know, usually by the end, Final Four, only a handful of people have a chance to win their office pool, the bracket, or whatever. Now, ninety uh, percent of the brackets are done because no one has any potential points left. So you lose that aspect of it. And the second aspect, Mike DeCourcy pointed this out, and we wrote a story about it yesterday on SportingNews.com. The college basketball Final Four has none of the fifteen Sporting News All Americans. Uh, first team, second team, third team, which is a first since Sporting News became part of the Consensus All-America panel in 1998. Uh, had at least one, between one and six every year since 1998, 25 years. This year, there's none. I mean, uh, the last one standing was Drew Timmy, and uh, he, he was eliminated, of course, uh, in ugly fashion, foul trouble and right. uh, blowout city and everything like that. So, um, so yeah, you lose, you don't have the blue blood programs. You don't have the all Americans and you don't really have the betting interest. It will be interesting to see if the ratings are, uh, sort of like the Olympics. I was talking to you about that ratings proof a little bit where people will watch downhill skiing. They're not going to watch it the other, uh, three years and 11 months of the year, but they will, they will watch it once one month, every four years. Um, and uh, because that th this puts it to the test, right? It's four teams, not a lot of a star power not, uh, among the schools, among the players, even among the coaches, really. Um, but it's an event. It was the most watched first round. People aren't just going to say, oh, forget it. It's over. I mean, I, I think they'll do better than people think. I do, too. I mean, one the one thing people always focus on. So the last 10 years, this is only the second time that one of the, the big five, uh, UCLA, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas. This is only the second time in the last 10 years where not, none of those five are in the final four. At least one always got in. And the last time that it didn't happen, it was Michigan State, Texas Tech, uh, Virginia, and Auburn. And one, that was a pretty good final four. Two, I looked at the ratings and they were much higher than I expected. So I was like, why are these ratings high? Because I remember when Texas Tech and Virginia made the championship game, I was thinking they're literally going to play to 50. Who's going to want to watch this? And people watched. So right. I, I think you're right. An overtime game. It was an incredible overtime game. And then, of course, Auburn, Virginia was an incredible finish, too. So, yeah. So, um, like, we could have good finishes. We could have right. Florida Atlantic cutting the nets down. I mean, there's. There's good stories there. It's actually wild to me that in some ways, if UConn wins it, it's probably the least appealing story in some ways because we've seen them run it four times. And that's no disrespect to Danny Hurley or anybody in that program. I, I mean, they've obviously played the best so far. So so bringing it back to football, though, TCU Georgia did have uh, – took a ratings hit. I think um, the blowout – uh, format, you know, the, the blowout nature of the game was largely responsible, uh, but it was lower rating than uh, the semifinals. I, I wrote about this a month or two ago. It's just, uh, I think it's a byproduct of uh, how it's the championship game is uh, Monday, Black Monday now of, of the NFL Sunday. I mean, uh, the Black Monday of the NFL schedule and 
you know, you're running up against wild card weekend and, and all that stuff. It just kind of gets lost a little bit. And the semifinals uh, are positioned a lot better on the college football calendar. Um, so that that's partly why it was such a, a, a disappointment, I think, ratings wise for the, the college football national championship. But also it was it was partly TCU. Right. And it was partly <laughs> it was partly the blowout. And, you know, I'm sure you, you saw the, the the rant by the Mississippi State fan. who was so upset <laughs> with the committee. Right. That he was even in it and they were getting blown out. And he was he was mad that his national championship game was was one sided. Well, that's that's just it here. And this this kind of ties into what happened Sunday is I tell people like and with the Super Bowl and with, it's not your Super Bowl. The Super Bowl doesn't, it's your viewing experience, but it's not yours. That's why I didn't, I wasn't bothered that they threw the flag in the Super Bowl. And I'm not bothered that, I mean, yeah, the the blowout factor, I knew people were going to tune out, but you call it for what it is. Georgia just dominated the game and this is the setup you're playing at. It's why I wasn't, I could see both sides of the Creighton San Diego State foul. You know, I like, of course, you wrote a great piece about it, but you know, as somebody who officiates in junior, you know, eighth grade blow, to blow is like, I would have swallowed my whistle there and dealt with half of the parents being mad, but I'm not dealing with a fan base that has never reached the final four being mad. So it, it's, but again, it's not your final four. It's not my final four. It's those teams. So I don't, you know, you let it play out. I think that's just more of a symptom of our society these days, but I won't go down that road. All right, let's shift a little bit to uh, back to college football in terms of um, 24-7 did kind of a, a, an in-depth study of the AP poll uh, that started in 1936, and they they went all out. They went cumulative. Right. <laughs> uh, final AP poll of every season since 1936. They added up the points. They ranked them up one to well, – well, I've got one to 15 in front of me right now. And um, so we went through, I'll read off the list. We'll stick with the, the 1936 list first and uh, see if there's any programs that necessarily surprise you in here. Of course, Alabama, number one, Ohio State, number two, Oklahoma, three, Michigan, four, Notre Dame, five, USC, six, Texas, seven, Nebraska, eight, Penn State, nine, Tennessee, 10, LSU, 11, Georgia, 12, Florida State, 13, Auburn, 14, and Florida, 15. So that is the top 15 uh, finishes cumulatively at the end of every season in the AP poll since 1936. Obviously, there's not going to be big surprises, but what struck you about that 15? I mean, that's the list of, I don't want to call them programs that matter, but programs that move, like, you can never say that any of these programs are irrelevant. That's what I would say. I love it when people try to say Notre Dame's irrelevant or Michigan's irrelevant or Tennessee's irrelevant. They're not. That This list shows you why, that they've been around that long. Now, some of them might think they should have more national championships than they do. But these are the programs that when you write articles about them, they drive traffic. When, you, when you're on social media on Saturday, these are the programs you're, you're tweeting about. The Texas is back jokes, the Nebraska jokes, those kind of things. It's because they've been good this long. Uh, the only program I didn't see is like, you know, Miami. It's kind of what we were just talking about with UConn, Bill. They uh, they won five national titles, and they're not on this list. That's why they're that anomaly to the college football kind of 
tapestry, so to speak. You know, they they have all these national titles, but they're not necessarily one of these 15 blue. These are the blue bloods, too. Now, you want to do a blue blood test? These are it. And if you include Texas and Oklahoma in the newly formed SEC, eight of the 15 <laughs> are in wow. the SEC. Eight out of 15, Bill. Eight out of 15. And then, so what's four? I see four Big Ten, five Big Ten with USC. That leaves, in this quick scan, Notre Dame independent and Florida State out of the ACC. That's it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say four Big Ten. I forgot Nebraska. There they are. Yeah, Nebraska. <laughs> They're, they have been in the – well, three and three. So for all the jokes about the Big Ten expanding, that's three of their ads. Penn State, Nebraska, and USC, three ads in my lifetime. So so I, um, I'll, I'll push back on Nebraska still mattering, actually. Okay. Can I say – Go can ahead. I you can. Sure. I mean, I just – You can do what you want. I think they they – when you talk about the Blue Bloods – and I agree, you can make a case for everybody in here, I think, except Nebraska. I just – I don't see a path, and then they've been down for so long. Like, Tennessee was down for a long time, but there's a path, and Heupel kind of – Josh Heupel kind of showed what the path is last year, um, and they can turn around. I don't see a path for Nebraska. We've talked about it on this podcast. We've talked about it with Steve Sipple. Um, you know, they might be, but the only one. So the, re- the reason I sort of did this exercise was to just kind of um, reflect on how much things don't really change in college football relative to college basketball. But college basketball, and it's not just this year, um, you know, the Blue Bloods come and go uh, way more so than college football. Um, and so I, what I did is I looked at the last five years to compare it to this list since 1936 um same exercise but just cut it off the last five years and there's <laughs> there's a lot of similarities alabama's number one ohio state's number two that's they're, they're still in the one and two whether it's since 1936 or it's since 2017 or 2018 um so i'll, I'll read off my my 15 schools same exercise the final ap poll the last five years and uh the top 15 are number one, Alabama, number two, Ohio State, just like the other list. Uh, three is Georgia. Four is Clemson, which isn't on the original list. Five, Notre Dame. Six, Oklahoma. Seven, Michigan. Eight, Florida. Nine, LSU. Ten, Cincinnati. They are not on the original list, needless to say. So they kind of have, have have busted into the penthouse a little bit. Uh, Eleven, Penn State. Twelve, Utah. Another one. 13, Oregon, another one. 14, Baylor, another one. And then 15, there was a tie, Washington and Texas A&M. So the lower half of this 15 lit, this list of 15, uh, are new relative to that to that 1936 list. What did you think about this? I mean, like you said, the, the more they change, the more they stay the same. Eight of the top 10 uh, <laughs> staying on that list. That that surprised me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. They're... they're like you said, Alabama, Ohio State doesn't surprise me. Georgia doesn't. Clemson has been sustained long enough. I, I say it all the time, and I'll say it again. I think it's the most remarkable story of the last 50 years that Dabo has been able to create a perennial powerhouse at that level at Clemson. Um, Cincinnati busting in there doesn't surprise me. Now, will they may be able to maintain that without Luke Fickle? We'll see. Huge that's, question. That's, 
And Utah and Oregon make sense where they're at. So, and that's why, and this is a topic for another podcast, depending on what happens with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And if there's more realignment, that's why Utah and Oregon are interesting to me because their football programs have produced sustained success for long enough that Oregon in particular is attractive for other reasons. But Utah, chronically underrated every year. We should just slot them in at 13 on every pool that we do, (laughs) ever. Does they get a perma spot there? Um, As long as Kyle Whittingham's there, right? Right. And Baylor, another one that was able to reach a peak, took a valley, and then they're they're pretty steady success. that they. I think some of their success is predicated on Texas's instability and Baylor's taking advantage of that in some ways, but um, they still win a lot of football games on the field. Yeah. I mean, they were actually only ranked in the final poll twice uh, in the last five years, but uh, both, you know, they got significant points both times they were in it. So um, yeah, I just, it really was funny to me that Alabama and Ohio state were, were one and two in both Um, Georgia, of course, the big jump, but they're still third. If you go over a five-year period, if we did two years, obviously Georgia was on top. So um, anyway, uh, give it a little trochy trivia before we touch on one final topic. Uh, and we'll go with with the topic we've been we've been discussing here. Okay, mm-hmm. so the, the Trochi trivia question is: There were five teams that have been ranked all five years uh, at the end of the, the the final AP poll of the last five years. Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia have been ranked all five years. There have been six schools ranked four of the five years. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not all on this top fifteen that I showed you. Um, obviously, Baylor, I told you only only two years. Can you name the teams that have been ranked four of the last five years? There's six of them, um, and I want to see how many of the six you can name. So we'll, we'll revisit that at the end of the show. I don't have you on my screen right now. I'm seeing if you're, you're confident. So, you got confident look, not confident look. You got to come up with six teams that have been ranked. No. Four so from 2018 to 2022. 18, 19, 20, 20, 20. Yes. Okay. We'll see what four we can times. do with that. All right. Four times. There's only six teams that have done it. Um, and uh, we'll visit that after this one quick topic. So uh, Mississippi State, everybody knows they, they uh, made a coaching change. Unfortunate uh, when Mike Leach died uh, uh, before the bowl game last year, they promoted defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, gave him the full-time job. Um, he was talking to ESPN. Uh, the story came out today uh, that they are pretty much dropping uh, the air raid uh, approach uh, completely from the, their offensive uh, approach. He has replaced the whole offensive staff. Um, and, you know, he's 36 years old, and uh, he just uh, – is going to go more vertical passing game, more traditional run game, um, things that uh, uh, Mississippi State has not really been doing under Leach over the last three years. Uh, has the blessing of the MSU administration. They want him to run his program, run his program how he wants to, and that's you know that's fine. That's what I expect him to do. Uh, but it scares me a little bit uh, from the Mississippi State perspective uh, under Leach. Uh, regular season games, uh, you know, disregarding the bowl games, they went they won three games first year, six games the second year, eight games the third year. Uh, and as you know, the longer Leach is there, uh, the more they're going to recruit uh, to the air raid and have more guys in, more guys in. And to 
to make a big change like that, usually it doesn't go great. Uh, generally speaking, when you have to make a big philosophical shift like that, it takes a couple of years to kind of re-recruit the roster to the philosophy, to, uh, to the attack. Um, plus, he's a 36-year-old first-year coach. So I don't know. Or, or do we have to watch watch out for Mississippi State to take a pretty good dip, or you think they're, they're in, in a decent shape right now? Well, the example I always use is Georgia Tech. Um, when they went from Paul Johnson being competitive with the option offense, but then there was a ceiling to it, right? Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. they hit the ceiling, then, then they kind of dipped, and people were like, well, we need to go away from that. And they now they've had to change schemes, and they're on another coach. I still think it was the right move to move away from the option because of the high school talent in Georgia, and I don't know how many kids actually want to play in the option. But in certain cases, at certain schools, you have to do things a little bit differently. And I think what Mississippi State was doing was um, doing something a little bit, bit differently, knowing that they didn't have the talent to beat Alabama and LSU and, and get in those games. Now, at the same time, this is the same program that when Dan Mullen was there, they were number one in the country with Dak Prescott. And they weren't running the air raid. So right. I do think there's when you transition from something like that to a more conventional look and you do have a young coach, they better have some patience because there definitely will be some growing pains when you do that this year and perhaps next year. Yeah, an interesting one to keep an eye on for them is uh, they host Arizona uh, second or third week in the season in a non-conference game. I remember last year. They were going out to Arizona. I thought Arizona was going to – they improved last year. Um, I just thought Arizona was going to get them. And uh, Mississippi State blew them out of the one by like at least 20 points. And that, you know, kind of propelled them to an 8-4 and four season. Uh, and now this year, Arizona is heading to Starkville. And if, uh, you know, the, the young coach, they're still adjusting. They're still fitting the roster to the new scheme. If Arizona wins that one, that may portend to be a, a rough start, at least for, for our net. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously, nobody planned on what happened with Mike Leach. And I think had Mike Leach been there a couple more years, this air raid may have taken shape. They, but they were always going to be competitive with that. And it was a signature thing that they did. So we'll see with Mississippi State. But that's life in the toughest division in college football. You know, <laughs> right. like you can go from uh you know a year like LSU had and LSU could just as easily be six and seven this year and it wouldn't surprise me but I don't think that's going to happen to be clear for any LSU listeners we have but I think that could absolutely could happen right right all right well before we get out of here let's see if you can come up with uh the Trochi trivia answer uh reminder the question so uh, the there's been five teams that have ran, been ranked all five of the last five seasons at the end of the season the final AP poll they were Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Uh, there are six teams that have been ranked four times in the last five years in the final AP poll. How many can you name? Bill Bender. Oh, we'll see. This is not going to be easy. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma. Oklahoma is correct. They have four out of five. They dropped Penn out State. this year because they were under 500. Penn State. Incorrect. Okay, there's one minute. That's Give me at least rank three times. Michigan. Correct. Cincinnati. 
Uh, yes, Cincinnati four times. Utah. No, just three. Are you kidding? So um, now I'm gonna start drawing some blanks because I was trying to figure out a sixth school. Um, yeah, these are these are gonna be tough. Um, oh dear. Um, I get well. So the reason it's tough, all three schools were ranked 25th one of the years. So they just oh my god! In. So like, <laughs> are we think? Are we talking like Oklahoma State? And one of them was ranked 25th twice um oklahoma state so, no they were only ranked uh twice so all right so give me the yeah. other three because i'll give I'll, you a couple all right so uh oregon that was my next guess like i'm not just saying that to say it. that they were on my like i was like but did they didn't they have like a bad year okay yeah they they were unranked ones they were 25th ones so mm -hmm. um but yeah they got four years in um you're gonna crack up at the next two one texas <laughs> <laughs> okay. texas has finished 25th 25th 19th and then uh eighth or ninth or whatever a few years ago so they've, they've basically okay. won, won a good one but uh yeah 25th twice for uh texas and the uh the sixth one the old reliable iowa hawkeyes how about that they do get nine wins every year so, they were they were twenty uh, fifth once they were twenty second once and then they had uh, a couple of fifteens uh, mixed in there so yeah Iowa that's very good question that was a good question that's a tough one that's a tough question that's an unfair yeah. question with those twenty number twenty five that's crazy rankings. crazy to me that Iowa is on that list and Penn State isn't you know just ju judging by the you know blue blood list that we had there and. Um, yeah, Penn State did have a little dip in there, though, but they've had some good success. I mean, it's a little bit of a reminder, too, of like when we talk about you know, on the basketball side, teams that make the Sweet 16. It's like, oh, yeah, we're, we should make the Sweet 16 every year. It's very difficult right, to do something every year, right? Right. And so, you know, you look at Gonzaga's success making the Sweet 16 so many times in a row. It's very difficult to even make the final AP poll in football, top 25, like – Penn State would be like, of course, we're going to be in the top 25 every year. We're a top 25 program. Guess what? Look at the last five years. And they've been good the last five years. You only made it in the final top 25 poll three times. So it is difficult. It's more difficult than people realize. Oh, for sure. And, you know, a reminder that the the tournament, you, you've said this a couple times to me when I try to make these absolute arguments and you remind me, that's why you're a good editor, of like there is some randomness to it. Like there's total random, like I think you pointed out something about the big 12 early in the tournament. This was the best conference in the country and they're not represented in the final four. Yeah, like, only we, two in the sweet 16. Right. And so like, it's a reminder that this tournament is so random. I don't think at least for the first few years that the 12 team college football playoff will be nearly as random, but who knows? Like, I, I mean, we won't know until we see it. And right. the 14 playoff, has been a little bit random, but not really, right? Not not really. So we'll see if it spices up when we give it to 12. Right. And and even 12 is such a small right. such a small field. And um four teams are gonna get buys. So you're not gonna have a, an odd final four, I mean, you know, very often um in the college football playoff. But uh it's gonna be fun. Can't wait for it. Um all right, I think that's all we got, Bill. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us here at the All-America Podcast. We will be back 
next week when we will be 20 weeks from week zero and we will get into more off-season content we will have more time to to go in depth with uh march madness will be behind us we'll have a new national champion by the time we uh new basketball national champion by the time we reconvene but uh thank you every everyone again for listening to the all america podcast Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.